Welcome to Sales Tech Stars Sales Star Podcast. This is where we feature news, tips, and insights on B two B sales. Happy to have you here. Declan McConnell, VP Sales and Marketing at Visua, a brand monitoring platform, is here today to talk about his thoughts on the state of technology sales as he sees it today and how global marketing and sales teams should readjust to this new normal. Why don't we begin with you telling us and our audience a little bit about yourself, Declan? Let's start off with your thoughts, your journey so far, and why don't you tell us also about your role at at Visua and what you what you currently do? Okay, thank you very much, Rama. So Declan McGonigal is my name from Visua. We're a visual AI platform, and we provide uh, support to the likes of brand monitoring companies, authentication solutions, brand safety, and brand security solutions. Um, we're a team of 13 people, uh, and we have our clients uh, range from companies in states, uh, Europe, and Australia, and APAC. Um, it's, it's a, a business that's kind of started up in 2016, uh, and we've experienced kind of year-on-year year 100% growth uh, from our kind of start in 2016 up to today. Personally, I started off my sales career in an indigenous Irish company um, selling systems to printing companies, uh, ERP solutions to printing companies. I then sold retail solutions, construction company solutions, document management solutions. And then I had a stint in a couple of the large uh, international companies, the likes of Oracle. Uh, I was working at Indeed here in Ireland in the startup phase as, as it was beginning to, to take shape. It's now over 2,000 employees, I think, here in Ireland. Uh, and I also worked at a company called Core HR, uh, which has been since taken over by the Access Group, which sold large um, payroll solutions. So my career has been quite varied around a lot of different uh, types of products and also uh, kind of managing teams. Uh, the biggest team I managed was about 120 people, which covered HCM solutions in Oracle across Western Europe, uh, through to a team of three or four people uh, at the moment in Ireland and kind of all the numbers in between. So I've had a, quite a varied career and with, with a lot of different types of solutions. That sounds like a very wholesome and enriching experience that's probably shaped a lot of uh, very different thoughts and very different uh, highlights in this entire journey. So before we dive into some of your uh, some of the biggest leadership moments that you've had over the years, let's start off with your thoughts on today's state of technology sales and marketing. How are you seeing tech teams, uh, global tech teams especially in the marketplace, adjust to the new normal? What are they doing? And what also we we love to hear about some thoughts on on your side as well. What are some of the key changes that you're making as a team to basically uh, ride through this downtime? COVID kind of took us all by surprise. Uh, and I suppose probably a lot of companies um, and a lot of individuals went back to kind of old ways and there was a lot of email kind of marketing and a lot of kind of email blasts uh, across a lot of people and that didn't really work I think for for, for everybody will have realized that um, and people have had to get used to the fact that you know there's been no conferences to go to there's no face-to-face meetings to go to and I think it took quite a bit of time for, for tech companies and all sales companies and sales teams to adjust. Um, the one thing that's, I suppose, come out of this is that digital transformation is, is beginning to kind of speed up. Um, so I have met quite a few colleagues and know quite a few colleagues who work in the likes of Cisco and um, some of the large uh, American companies. And, you know, some of those people have had extraordinary sales years, uh, you know, sales through the roof. Um, a lot of other companies have obviously had to, to kind of deal with the issues of trying to get sales teams together, trying to get people together who are kind of working maybe from 
you know, apartments where there's three or four people in an apartment which wasn't designed for 24-hour living, etc. Uh, so there's a lot of different challenges that people have, have had to address. And um, I suppose what we've seen ourselves is we, we, we deal with a lot of different types of organizations. So for the likes of, you know, counterfeit detection, where we work with the likes of red points and eBay, etc. You know, that's, that's a business that's kind of grown because online um, sales have grown a lot. Social media monitoring companies like Brandwatch and Sprinkler, etc., are clients of ours as well, and their business has grown um, in that in that people are looking to gain as much information as they can about about brands and about target companies, etc. Um, authentication again, we do a lot of work with security authentication, and we have a, a solution that uh, authenticates holograms um, on products. So again, that's a business that's grown, um, so we've been lucky that quite a few of the vertical markets that we're involved in um, have experienced growth. Um, but we also do work with the likes of sports sponsorship monitoring companies, et cetera. And obviously their raw material uh, dried up very quickly worldwide. So they experienced some challenges. So I suppose we've been lucky that we've been able to, to um, kind of balance uh, and keep our company moving forward and growing. And um, not at the, at the full rate that we wanted to, but uh, we've been able to, to kind of keep Moving along with our clients, uh, one of the things that we've that we've had to do, uh, like everybody else, though, is figure out how to be um, much more targeted um, and much more focused on the value for our clients when we're trying to reach out. Um, because we did attend a lot of conferences, uh, we attended a lot of customer events, and, and they all created a lot of of, of pipeline for us. Um, so we've had to adapt um, in the way in which we do our outbound uh, work. To, to make sure that we're, we're, you know, when we do get people, which is quite difficult now to get them because a lot of people are being kind of targeted, that when we do get them, we have value uh, conversations with them. Uh, and we have conversations that in effect are interesting to them and show them that we understand what they're trying to achieve. And if it's something that they're interested in to take it to the next level in the process. Absolutely. And we'd love to hear next a little bit about what would some of your top thoughts are or tips are when it comes to the business challenges that marketing and sales is facing, but also what they should be focusing on now for the next couple of months. So we have, a, we've seen a lot of companies, a lot of leaders have started capitalizing on the whole concept of hosting their own webinars, especially over the last couple yeah. of five, six months, because they haven't had events to go to, or it's, it's not the same experience attending virtual events either. And yeah. uh, then we have a, you know we've also seen a lot of them besides webinars they've started um, podcasting has been around for a while but there have been a lot of uh, use of video prospecting efforts yeah, that's been yeah. included in overall email cadences and that's what b2b sales reps are being encouraged to do also so yeah. when it comes to all these uh, you know new methods that maybe you know say even a year ago sales teams or marketing teams were not necessarily, yes, they may have been talking about it, but they weren't necessarily actioning it because, you know, things yeah. were moving along fine. So what are some of the tips and thoughts given all of this, given all of these observations and the challenges, you know, the teams are facing, they can't meet. There is no handshake. You can't sit down over a coffee and really yeah. sign a contract. Yeah. So what do you think they should focus on? Should they have a stronger account-based marketing tactic for the last quarter of the year or to, you know, start the new year with? Should they, you know, draw out an entire video marketing plan? What would your top tips here? I suppose there's a lot. It depends on what your, your target market is. But when you come down to it, I think the key elements are to actively make sure that you're always focusing on the customer. And the one thing that we have um, a lot of at the moment is information. Um, so we have to be careful that uh, 
reps and teams of reps don't become focused on just task driven um targets you know those people don't say you know i did 50 calls a day for the last week that we have to make sure that it's more results orientated so was it a good use of time to make 50 calls or should they have made 10 very focused calls um to somebody who they've spent time researching etc i think a danger so, is you know you say to people you have a video tool or you have a, a webinar tool or a podcast environment to use but if you don't think about who it is you're trying to target if you don't think about that audience it doesn't really matter which of the tools that you have because people are not going to be engaged unless you have figured out something that's relevant to them, unless you've figured out exactly how the challenges that they're experiencing at this moment in time are met by your product. Um, and no matter what way you try to address and catch them, um, you're going to lose them unless you do that. So one of the key things to, to be aware of, uh, and Franco on our team has had a few very kind of new and unusual marketing techniques which have been, which have been very successful. Um, I'll just give you a very quick for instance. We sell a solution that identifies uh, copyright infringements uh, and there are a lot of companies around Europe and the States that sell you know t-shirts and mugs and all this kind of stuff and you can print any image that you want on these products. The problem for the companies that provide the platform is sometimes uh, and often inadvertently, somebody will infringe a copyright by putting a picture of, let's say, Yoda onto a T-shirt, not realizing that it's infringing the copyright of Disney, etc. So what we did was we actually anonymously printed out T-shirts from all of these different companies. Some of them caught them, you know, and, and didn't print them. But the ones that did, um, what we did was we took a photograph of ourselves, sent it to the client and said, look, if this had been somebody else, uh, you could end up with a solicitor's letter or a judgment against you for printing infringed copyright. So it created a little bit of a, um, a kind of a, a jolted beginning to the conversation, but it definitely created a lot of very valuable conversations because the people really understood very quickly that, OK, this is a problem. Maybe it was a little bit cheeky in how it was done, but it, it actually created a lot of very valuable conversations and sales from it. Um, so I think it's really important to no matter what the tools are, and sometimes, especially inexperienced reps, become very excited by a new tool, thinking that this tool is going to be their their savior and it's going to it's going to make the money and help them get sales. But it won't unless they've done the research to make sure that um, the conversation that they're having with the client is of value to the client. Absolutely. So obviously, in the middle of all of this, in the middle of trying to uh, trying to customize messages, trying to create that value add effect for the next couple of months, which is more of a pressure now because it's harder to make a sale when everyone's budget is on freeze. What are the top tips you'd share when it comes to both sales and marketing working in a more aligned manner over the next couple of months? How can they improve the alignment? How can they unify the, the way they plan their outreach, the way they, they decide who to target, which accounts? to go after and basically ensure that they create a wholesome digital experience for their prospects and customers for the next couple of months. What alignment tips do you have here for both parties? There's two tips I'd give. One is, one is around, I've kind of articulated already, but one is around the customer. So making sure to, what we always do with each of our vertical markets is to identify what an ideal prospect profile is. So instead of just saying, oh, we have a client who, who um, who, who we got who does ad monitoring let's say instead of just blasting out to every ad monitoring company what we do is we try to identify what were the unique elements of what that company did and um, what are the unique parts that we were able to help them with and then find specific companies who have those unique elements rather than just sending out 
for instance, instead of sending out 500 emails or 500 connections to people within that industry, we've often sent out and done very targeted 50 company or 45 company targeted campaigns, but identifying very specifically what challenge that we addressed and often doing some research beforehand to make sure that this company also had that challenge and then making sure that the connection with them was really clear, really definitive around that challenge. So the key to that was working with the marketing people to make sure that they understood what the challenge was, making sure that then it was clear to them how to go and pick that audience out and then figuring out is it something that we do as a webinar first? And what are the different sequences that we should go with? So, you know, do we send out an email first? Do we then say invite them to a webinar? Do we send out an infographic then? And have a very clear, structured process to every single time that we connect with, up with those people, that we give them another piece of information um, that, in effect, should hook them into understanding what we do and hopefully see that the value that we can provide to them. So, again, a lot of it keeps coming back to having the confidence to say, let's not just blast out. And especially in this time, because everybody is being kind of connected or approached in a very one-dimensional way. It doesn't really matter if it's an invite to a webinar or a podcast or a, you know, a video conference or whatever it may be. They're still really being um, kind of addressed in a one-dimensional way. They're not being met at a conference or they're not being met at a, at a client event. And they have to kind of feel that they're interested in something that's going to come through them probably as, a, as an email or an email. Um, and I think it's important that whatever they see first uh, is specific to them and it's very clear, it's very concise around what value that we can bring to them. Absolutely. And in what ways would you advise? So, so while while things are moving forward, while sales and marketing is slowly adjusting, and they're they're now getting they're getting into this whole uh, complete remote experience. So, obviously, in tech and in the SaaS marketplace, working from home or being remote as a sales and marketing unit is pretty common. But now it's extended to more teams and more industries. So, so obviously, given that now it's become more of a necessity and it's being adopted, there's more large scale adoption of the whole concept. There are a lot of B2B sales reps, especially during this time, you know, the, the younger sales people, they're working from home, they're away from their teams, they don't have their leaders sitting across the table and actually training them, everything is being done remote. So what especially do you think they can do to enhance their overall remote selling process and uh, enhance the experience for the prospect and the customer during this time? So given that, you know, they have their own struggles, they're sitting at home, they're probably new to the role or just a couple of years into a customer facing customer facing job. So what should they do at a time such as this to basically boost this whole process? Yeah, I suppose um, there's a couple of ways I'd answer that. One is is that they shouldn't be left alone. So there's a huge responsibility now on the managers and directors uh, of teams, especially when there are a lot of a lot of companies have teams of people who are quite new in a role. And the big challenges there are number one is companies who, who are who are progressive are usually um, coaching the, the reps. So they're, they're, they're bringing them through the process and they're coaching them. And coaching is quite a difficult process at times. It's, it's very rewarding, but it can be difficult because to coach somebody properly, you know, sometimes you do have to give, should we call it constructive feedback, which sometimes people can, can see as negative. And I know talking to some of my colleagues and peers that it's, it's probably one of the biggest challenges that they have now is that, especially if it's been done on the phone, if, if, if there isn't even a video uh, element to it, but even when there is, you get a much better sense of how somebody is accepting criticism and learning from that criticism when you're in the room with them rather than when you're kind of giving that information over a phone or over a, over a Zoom call. So there's a huge responsibility on 
uh, directors and managers to make sure that reps feel that they're supported, that you make it really clear that when you are coaching them, that what you're trying to do is help them and to make it really clear that if, if, if they feel that any of the feedback is being critical and negatively critical to say it, so that sometimes a manager may just have to kind of rephrase something because that's not how it was intended. So that's a key thing to be able to be, make sure that you're giving feedback to your manager about how you're being managed and is it helping you. And make sure and the director needs to make sure and manager needs to make sure that they're also helping the rep. Absolutely, the do-way process. Yeah, it's very much so. And it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to do, but it's, it's something that has to be done to help people move through their career. The other thing is to make sure, and this is something I've seen work um, very successfully, is to make sure that there is still a daily stand-up, you know, even if it is virtual, so that the team, and again, the manager in this instance kind of steps back and says, you know, the team every day, everybody kind of says, look, this is what I did yesterday. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. Has anybody any advice? And it's amazing what, what amount of information people will share together when they don't feel that they've been, it's not a one-to-one, -one, you know, meeting with a manager. It's kind of say, everybody share this information around. And people pick up tips from each other. If somebody is struggling, they can kind of feel maybe they can say it to their peers rather than just maybe always going back to their manager and feeling maybe a little bit embarrassed if they've, if they've had a few problems and so they can kind of get some information from their peers. But it's important that it's done as a team, not, not kind of behind the scenes because it, it kind of helps everybody. And it also helps the manager and director then to kind of focus in and, and understand if there are some challenges that people are having. Absolutely, that exchange. That exchange of information is always necessary. Yeah, it's, it's really important, and, and especially now because people don't really have that and it's funny we have this call today i i, I had a, a guy call me today a, a very nice young guy and um, i just picked up the phone and i knew he just started to talk to me and he started telling me how he was going to help my team and his product was brilliant for what i do and blah, blah, blah. and at the end of it i said nothing and i just at the end of it says could you tell me what we do what my company does and he obviously didn't know he hadn't done any research whatsoever and i just kind of said to him said you, you need to make sure that you're expending a huge amount of energy and a huge amount of effort in trying to get through to people. And you got to make sure if you get them that, you know, your, your temptation isn't to talk, that your temptation has to be, okay, I'm after getting somebody here who could be a prospect for my product. Make sure that you have a very clear, interesting, open question to start the conversation with and have the confidence to listen to the answer and then ask the next question to follow that. And that's something that you have to learn and you have to practice, but there's so much waste when a marketing department might have got a lead, you know, they may have done all the work to get you all these these kind of leads to ring. If you go and ring them without doing any research about it and just start talking, the, the person at the other end of the line is more than likely not going to really listen or respond and you're going to have wasted all that effort. So it's really important to make sure that you understand if somebody contacted you, would you like them to try and ask something about you, try and show interest in you, to have a conversation with you, rather than just start to speak at you and not really be interested in, in, in what your your response is. So there are key things, and again, they're, they're kind of sales 101, but it's probably more important these days to, to, to focus in on them because, again, people are only being contacted on phones. So their level of tolerance for kind of people who ring them up who haven't got any you know, research done about them or whatever is much, much lower because you know, they, they only have so much time to, to kind of deal with that kind of stuff. So it, it's really important to do that. 
Absolutely. What, according to you, are some of the sales technologies that you feel uh, sales today, especially uh, given the challenges uh, they're facing now in the new normal, what should they be relying on more? So uh, typically speaking, so given that we've spoken about the couple of changes that sales teams have to go through to adjust to, to a complete virtual selling process. So do you think they should, for example, have like, obviously it's a CRM is a given as a CDP, a good email analytics system, a data-driven platform, all of that is all a given. But what, according to you, should they definitely as add-ons implement as well in terms of maybe a video marketing tool for themselves or like a, a better calling bot that can help them speed up the dialing process while they're working from home? What are the technologies, the add-on technologies that can help them? Again, there's a lot depends on what, you know, the... The target market and, and what the ratios are that, that people have to go through but i think video marketing is becoming something that's a very useful tool if used correctly because it gives that one thing that is missed uh, from the uh, face to face in, in that we are social animals and it's important that you make contact with somebody and if you do happen to connect with somebody in a video marketing and you can and, and they have they they kind of can connect you at the beginning of a conversation it's a very different conversation than just just have a phone call with somebody uh, it's also a very good way of articulating really quickly um, because, again, most humans are visual. So if you can put together a very concise message on a video marketing tool, you get somebody on, it maybe sent them a couple of emails. You could just say to them, look, this is just something I want you to make sure that you understand. These are the challenges I think you have. This is who we who dealt with these challenges with before, who are in your industry, um, and this is how we could help you in you know one quick screen. Um, I think it's something that people, and I found it, that people have been attracted to, or it certainly generates conversation um, where they can kind of feel, okay, these people have done a bit of research here. They do know what they're talking about. They know that I'd be interested in this. And having that connection with a person um, kind of makes it a bit easier to, to continue the conversation and, and makes them a little bit more bonded to you uh, in the process. I think LinkedIn is kind of a given. It's a tool, again, that can be used. Um, one of the things that I think people don't use it for enough, and uh, again, we've used it quite successfully, is to identify when people who you're trying to target, are they associated and are they linked with anybody else that you know? And use it as a method of getting an introduction rather than trying to do a, a direct connection to somebody. Because again, because there are so many, because it's quite one-dimensional at the moment, if you can be introduced to somebody, um, rather than kind of just trying to directly uh, target them. You can give you that first kind of five minutes where somebody is a little bit more tolerant and a little bit more open to listen when you've been introduced by somebody that they respect or somebody they're, that they're connected to. So I, th I think that's a really uh, kind of important tool that pe I think people don't take enough advantage of um, because if you're working in a market and you've been working in for any period of time and you've used LinkedIn properly, the likelihood is that nearly everybody you target is going to be connected to somebody that you know. Um, so I think it's, it's a very important tool to use. Absolutely. And a very relevant insight. Yeah. And one, of the, one of the other tools that, and again, these are uh, clients of ours, like as I said, Sprinkler and Brandwatch and all, these companies that are providing all the social media monitoring data and the insights from it, as I explained, what we do is provide visual data. So if you can imagine these companies will take huge volumes of social media data, find all the mentions of a brand that's used textually. We then give them all the, the uh, mentions of that brand visually. So it gives them a very, very full picture. And again, that's information that a lot of companies are, are now beginning to use 
um, so that they understand exactly what the sentiment of a brand is, where that brand is placed, how it competes against its competitors. So it's all information that can be used when, again, you're trying to, to contact somebody and, and to show that you've, you've done research and show that you're, you have knowledge about the marketplace and specifically about where your, your target customer sits in that marketplace. So again, th those kind of the use of that kind of newer information and the use of tools to get introductions, I think, are two key things that people should focus on. Those were some very interesting points uh, back there. And before we wrap up, we want to thank you for this uh, lovely conversation that we had. But we'd like your parting thoughts on the top. So you did mention a couple of mistakes that, uh, you know, B2B sales reps should avoid uh, making today. For instance, they should obviously know who their prospect is and what the company does before reaching out to them, as you mentioned in the example as well. But before we wrap up, though, what are some key parting thoughts you'd like to share when it comes to a couple of prospecting and cold calling or even email marketing mistakes and thoughts that uh, sales reps should keep in mind for the next couple of months and of course if you have any additional remote collaboration tips that you'd like to uh, share with the audience because uh, we are all constantly struggling adjusting to some kind of change every day while this uh, extended uh, global pandemic keeps affecting everyone so if you could just share a couple of parting thoughts that would be great yeah i think the biggest mistake that i see people making is the not having practiced enough about how to start the conversation to get the prospect to speak and secondly to listen to what that prospect is is saying to, so one of the big big mistakes i see people making is that they have a, a script and they start a conversation with someone and they might ask an opening question even but they don't listen to the answer and they just ask the next question the next question the next question and then they get down to the end and it's quite obvious to the prospect after a while that the sales rep really doesn't understand maybe what's what's going on in the conversation or is just kind of reading off script nearly to get down to the bottom of it to kind of see where they can go so i think it's it's really important to practice that with with colleagues and and take the time to, to maybe do that you know every week take out a slot and say look let's just go through again how to start off a conversation with somebody how to listen to what they're saying and how to ask open questions then in relation to what's what information you're being given rather than just kind of going through and trying to get somebody to a place where they say oh yes i'll buy your product because oftentimes it's really interesting if you really do listen to what people are saying um, and most importantly is if the client asks you a question, always make sure to ask them why they're asking the question. Because a lot of times they'll ask you a question with, with maybe a very different reason in mind than you, than you uh, make an assumption on. Uh, and often you can end up going down the wrong track. So again, be always very confident enough to say, sorry, that's a really good question, but could you just explain to me why you're asking the question? What is it that you're trying to, to understand? And it can often generate a really good conversation then because the person will say, okay, you know, they really expanded what they're trying to get at. And that, it can often be quite different than what you would assume at the beginning. So again, we're talking a lot about tools and about technologies and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of the skill in, in having those conversations and how to lead those conversations and how to have the confidence to stop and have silences and listen and make sure to respond back to people is something that people need to keep practicing all the time. And because you can't rely on technology to do that piece for you. That's the piece that you must practice yourself and you must be capable of doing. Absolutely. I think this made for a very interesting conversation, Declan, and I hope you had, you had a good time participating. We'll definitely have you back again soon. But in the meantime, we hope that you and your team have a safe 
work from home experience during this entire pandemic and uh, take care. Thank you, Thank you very much for your time.